Welcome back to the Monica Matthew Show. Life, love, and liberty. Happy Tuesday to you, June 21st. We are officially in hell all across America. It is hotter than four hells here in the state of Georgia. I can promise you that. Uh, Speaking of hot as hell, uh, we have legal battles all over the country. It doesn't feel like justice is being served. Uh, It doesn't appear that way. It appears as though we're being completely mowed over. Uh, from everything from the election of 2020 to you know where we are now, um, but there's but there is an organ there is an organization that has been on the front lines of adjudicating things. Uh, I have I've brought one of my favorite people from America First Legal on with me several times. Uh, you know you may have heard it here first with regard to something that Miranda Devine um, actually broke last week, I believe, or just this week, uh, regarding HHS's propensity to traffic humans and smuggle humans across the country and across our border. You may have heard that here first uh, with my guest who's going to join me today, but I want to go over some of the things that America First Legal, uh, because for those of you who are not familiar, you should familiarize yourself and support their efforts. Absolutely. AFlegal.org. This is the brainchild of Stephen Miller. Uh, You may recall Stephen Miller was with the Trump administration. And these are just some of the things they've been working on. All right. America First Legal launches the AFL Center for Legal Equality. We're going to talk about that today as well. AFL joins case asking the Supreme Court of the United States to review the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's decision to impose a partisan Democratic congressional map. Also, AFL slams President Biden for executive order imposing radical gender ideology and attempting to override state laws. So for those of you who feel like you're alone, it may appear as though nothing is happening behind the scenes, but there are people doing things behind the scenes. And why is this important? Why do I highlight this on the regular on my show? Because the word says that because of lawlessness, people's hearts will fail them. Right. And people's hearts will wax cold. It's really important for you guys to guard your hearts from becoming cold, from becoming completely numb because of all of the lawlessness that we see happening. And so without further ado, I want to get to my special guest today. So, again, I want you to go and support. Keep up with AFlegal.org. But I've got with me today Mr. John Zadrozny who is a former Trump administration uh, senior advisor uh, regarding immigration and policy. He is now the deputy director of investigations at America First Legal, and he's back with me again. Welcome, John. How are you, sir? Hey, Monica. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. Always enjoy having you. So I, I want to jump right in to uh, what's happening here. Give me one second. I'm going to try to, there you are. 
Um, I'm going to try to, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but a lot of things went down last night in the uh, technical space. I know there's been a lot of threats with regard to cybersecurity, uh, whether or not our election grid is going to be vulnerable again. We can talk about that. Uh, but uh, StreamYard, which is the service I use, was also either attacked or down. We're not sure, but it was down for most of the night. So that's why we have you simply audio today for those who are wondering. But uh, yeah, thank you for being here with us. I want to jump into what's happening right now with the Supreme Court. We could have a decision uh, as early as today, right? I mean, could, could we see this happening today with regard to Roe v. Wade not necessarily being overturned, but simply kicked back to the states? Monica, it's very possible today and I think at least one more week, maybe two more weeks, or it should be on Mondays, uh, the Supreme Court is going to be releasing its final slate of decisions. People tend to call them the, the season finale decisions. They tend to be the biggest ones. And sometimes I, I think it's, I don't know if they do that for drama, but I've been told that's not why. It's just it's usually the way they work out in terms of the schedule. Uh, yeah, with any luck, we'll see the decision relatively intact from the uh, leaked draft we saw in May. Lord knows the left has tried to uh, literally kill justices that don't share their worldview. They've uh, firebombed um, pro-life clinics, you know, those awful, violent, child-saving pro-life clinics. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're doing their darndest. But, you know, you talked about, like, uh, cold hearts. I, I think I see a lot of optimism of people. I think that leak backfired on the left. Um, I think that uh, just Chief Justice Roberts <laughs> is not happy with it. I, I, you know, whatever you think about Chief Justice Roberts' uh, decision-making qualities over the last 20 years, he does not seem happy about that. I think there will be repercussions for the way clerks operate. I think if he finds that clerk, they will be fired. Although you and I both know the left will give them a show on MSNBC. Yeah, I think it's impossible um, for us not to find the clerk. I mean, give us a break. You know what I mean? And I think the American people are like, what, well, who, why hasn't this been brought to light as of yet? Like, what's the holdup while we are actually investigating parents who are concerned about their children being uh, transitioned in their public school system? So, you know, yeah, that's another thing that drives people crazy, John, is that they see, they see that there's, there's justice, you know, no justice for thee, justice for me, no just, you know, vice versa. It is, and that's where I, th- I'm glad to hear you're so optimistic, doggone it. <laughs> but, but my audience is like, what the hell? They, they don't know who to trust or what's happening and they don't see what's happening behind the scenes. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. Okay. Monica, I don't have any insight to what's happening inside the Supreme Court. I'm just sure. guessing here. But sure. I do think, though, that uh, we may not see that for a while. Although at some point, you're going to see this person's name in public and they're going to be, you know, lionized by the left. But um, anyway, the bigger subject is I think these decisions are, are most of them, I think, are going to go our way. There are a couple regarding uh, uh, First Amendment freedoms. Uh, there's obviously uh, the Roe v. Wade revisit. And what's funny, if I may just, Monica, you know, the the left has a really funny habit. There's a concept in the law called stare decisis. It basically means that judges are uh, ethically bound to follow the trail of decisions that has preceded them. But what I find really interesting about the left is they have, they reverse 200 years of precedent in a decision and then they demand fealty to the new decision. Really, when you think about it, there's this weird concept that Roe v. Wade is settled law. I hate to say it, it's on the law, it's on the books for less than 50 years Courts make mistakes. Courts change. And anyone you talk to any conservative lawyer who's serious about what they tell you, they will tell you that that is one of the worst Supreme Court decisions ever written. And it's not because of the subject matter, although that's egregious, too. It is because it was written in such a way as to achieve an end. And it looks like it was written by a high school student. Right. So uh, it's bad law needs to go away. Thankfully, we have a balance on the Supreme Court that's willing to do it. And uh, like you pointed out, uh, 
the left has tried to lie about what would happen when that decision folds. It doesn't mean abortion will be unconstitutional or illegal. It just means that the fight will go to the states. And the reality is this is what both the right and the left, or at least I should say the rhinos and the left have been terrified about. Right. Because they've had the luxury for 50 years of shrugging and saying it's the law of the land. It's the law of the land. Well, guess what? Now you have to tell people where you stand and how you're going to vote. And it'll make a difference in future elections. Sure it will. And it's something that the GOP has become flimsy on. It, it is, and talk about something that made, has made me nuts over the years. It is, well, we have to be more moderate. Because we're always trying to reach them, whoever them are, whoever the them of the day is. And it's um, it's maddening because the, the very principles that we say we, we stand on and that we're rooted in, uh, securely founded in as, as a Republican Party, life being, you know, uh, being one of the most important foundational uh, aspects of this party, you would think, but over the years, especially in, um, in my consulting time, you know, it's amazing how people are like, well, we really don't, we just want to back off of that, you know? And I'm thinking why? And the, and I, and I blame the Republican party largely for or the GOP at large as to how we found ourselves here. So I'm glad that people are going to have to have a plumb line and they're going to have to have a, you know, a very stark, uh, stance on something. I will say this though, John, I am not happy at all about states, uh, red states weaponizing neighbors against one another over whether or not a young lady is going to, um, is going to going for an abortion like keep like you know it's this is like the dhs on crack you know it's like see something say something you know some of your neighbors are just overweight you know what are you supposed to do run up and and ask you know hey are you pregnant you going for and i thought you were pregnant two months ago what happened? Did you have an abortion this is weird this is weird territory where it's like no the, i'm not my brother's or my sister's keeper to that extent but they're like criminalizing um, abortions in some states to the point where they're asking people to see something, say something. What is your opinion on that? That's a good point, Monica. I think this is a, I, I know Texas has a law that I believe is similar to that. And that was basically designed to take the government out of it. So they could say the government wasn't restricting a right. It was someone pursuing a private claim against a doctor. Um, honestly, I'll give them a little credit just for trying something different and outside the box. I would note, however, uh, you're right. The, the fundamental idea of turning neighbor against neighbor is not a good one. It's not what our side should be doing, especially given how we're criticizing the left for doing just that thing in other spheres. Okay. I will say this, though, in fairness, this law and laws like it uh, came into creation prior to what's about to happen. And so um, if everyone keeps their fingers crossed and says the, you know, the requisite prayers and yeah. we keep pushing for what we hope we get in the next few weeks, Laws like that won't matter anymore because the states can come back and say, look, well, we're just going to restrict it or we're going to put some guard okay. posts on it so that 16-year-olds can't go get an abortion without a parent's request right. or advice and right. so on. So, um, yeah, no, but I'm with you, though. The left has actually weaponized us against each other for years. Yeah. Um, you know, they've done it in some really stark ways in the last five, six years especially. And uh, it's probably a model we shouldn't be replicating, but it is what it is. Agreed wholeheartedly. And speaking of not replicating that model, and uh, hold on, let me find, let me let me find him. 
So here we are. Let's switch gears. Let's go over to, uh, because this is, I bel- I'm not sure if this is something that you guys are addressing over there at America First Legal, but lawmakers say that whistleblower memos show Homeland Chief misled Congress about disinformation board. So speaking of see something, say something, right? We just got, we think we just got rid of the entire ministry of truth, but I don't believe that for a second I, I because they're entirely too swift for that. So that particular uh, 1984 regime may have that that one particular board may have disintegrated, but there's an there's at least five other tactics in line. I'm sure of it. So, what do you make of this? Mayorkas tends to you know stay in hot water with Congress. Not that I think anything's going to come of that either. But you know, speaking of say something, say something. FBI boards all over the country. If you've seen this person, you know they they were on the lawn of the Capitol, you know, doing nothing, but we're looking for them for J6 commission purposes. So where are you guys handling anything regarding, you know, what's happening with DHS and their board, their ministry of truth, anything? Well, in terms of what uh, AFL is doing, we, we have a lot of lawsuits in the immigration space. We also have a lawsuit um, or, or rather a FOIA request that may yield lawsuits eventually regarding uh, the federal government's cooperation with big tech. Okay. Um, we've talked about this before, but in short, you know, a private company can, can pretend to be a private company for only so long. Once they start being deputized by the federal government, the first amendment kicks in and they should be treated as an extension of the government, which means the first amendment applies. Uh, in terms of my work specifically, I've discovered something. I've watched him for a while and you can usually tell when he's lying because his lips are moving. Um, (laughs) you know, in all seriousness, he is one of the most egregious, dishonest human beings to ever hold a federal post. And it's remarkable to me because he was that way in the Obama administration and somehow, um, you know, failure and failure rises on the left. Like yes, these are the people who achieve higher leadership positions after they destroy things. I can picture the interview. It's like, well, Ali, you've done a great job destroying the Republic. We want you back next time. Right. Uh, he's, exactly. he's, I really think we need to start. And I mean this seriously. I'm not saying this with hyperbole and it's not something to be taken lightly. But after this administration ends, hopefully in two years when there is a Republican administration with an an actually serious attorney general, unlike Bill Barr and the other attorney generals from the previous rounds, we need to start pursuing criminal prosecutions against former federal officials who didn't just not do their jobs, but engaged in gross negligence. Mayorkas is responsible for the deaths of hundreds, if not thousands of Americans because of his stand down on the U S border. Right. And there is, there's gotta be a consequence. It can't just be, I'm a political appointee and I go sign a book deal. It should be you spend a few years in prison because you violated the rules you were supposed to follow and perhaps even engaged in gross negligence. He killed a few people along the right, way. Right. And he's he's my, if we have to pick one, uh, he would be my recommendation for the future to look really hard at. Okay. Speaking of, this is something that we've covered extensively with you on my show. And this is, um, hold on, this is a tweet by uh, Miranda Devine, says the clandestine domestic people smuggling operation run by the Department of Health and Human Services under the direction of Secretary Javier Becerra is conservatively estimated by aviation experts to cost $150,000 per flight. So some people believe this is not, they, they're just not aware that this is, they think it's only on the border. Right. They think these people are just crossing the border and they're hanging out in Texas or they're hanging out in Arizona. But this is actually being funded by us, which we have referred to uh, HHS as a cartel on my show. Uh, and you really brought that to light for me that this is actually happening. People are being trafficked on taxpayer dimes. So what where are you guys on this? So um, the Monica, what you said is 100% true, and, and Ms. Devine's article was was on on point, but it's 
it, it's just it's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the way we experienced this, the federal government's involvement in smuggling and trafficking was basically there's an office at HHS called the Office of Refugee Resettlement. And the Office of Refugee Resettlement, or ORR, was responsible for housing uh, so-called unaccompanied alien children that came into the country. Uh, and there was a point in time where, you know, 25 years ago, where every now and then we had a small number of children who came in and fit that category and we would take care of them. But in the last 20 years, that number has skyrocketed, especially during the Obama years. And so what the cartels figured out is they could manipulate our system to funnel children through our system, save a little money on overhead, and basically use federal taxpayer dollars to finish the final leg of the journey to help their business model. And so you not only did they do that with children, they did that with adults. And this was one of the problems we were trying to fix, and we just ran out of time. Um, they swung back into action immediately and turned a blind eye to all the problems. There's, I'm sure there are horror stories that we could uncover if we talk to anyone sure. who's in those offices. But yeah, in addition to that, Monica, what you pointed out, what Ms. Devine pointed out in her article, that is uh, different. That's DHS using the money they're supposed to use to protect you and me, to distribute dangerous people at great cost around the country. So you mentioned people who are saying, well, it's just the border. The border is everywhere now. Right. Um, they are literally using your taxpayer dollars to put dangerous people in your neighborhoods. And the goals are several, I think. Um, I think, again, this part of this broader trafficking operation uh, but I also think that uh, there's a, a political goal here. Like their goal is to, they're working under the assumption none of these people will ever be made to leave and they're just going to stay. Sure. So they are sprinkling them throughout red states. Um, they are doing this to create critical masses in certain places where they think it will eventually yield dividends for them politically. Right. Uh, now, the, the simple way to counter that is Republicans just have to say, we're just not signing on to anything that gives them a path to staying and they will all be removed in the future. Right. Uh, if that message is sent strongly, uh, some people will eventually go, and then we're going to have to have a serious effort to deport large numbers of people in a future Republican administration. It just has to happen. You, you cannot allow this to happen and turn a blind eye toward, toward it. Well, we say that, but then we have a Republican administration, and other than a President Trump returning, or and, and I'm not even going to mention DeSantis as a possibility because I do not believe he will be on the 2024 ticket, period. I, end of story, I just don't. So unless you have someone who has the backbone and the love of country that I believe President Trump does, I will leave vaccines out of this conversation. But for the sake of the work that he's done in the past and what I believe is his heart toward keeping, you know, America actually first, uh, particularly as it relates to our borders. Um, I feel like unless there's a candidate like him, John, I mean, let's be honest, we, what have we done regarding immigrant? We still don't have a wall. We, we still do not have a completely uh, full-fledged functional border of this country. And, and that's gone through Republican administrations, Democrat administrations. And it's like, I don't know. I guess, you know, a lot of us just kind of feel like, what are we doing with all these people? And like you said, for political ends, of course. But how? what about the weight, the weight load, the critical mass that they are applying to to states and states' budgets and, you know, critical critical needs of actual citizens of this country that I – and, hey, some of these states where they're being sprinkled, uh, you got to wonder, um, do these governors not know? They're being dropped off in the middle of the night or their local authorities don't know. And, and what, what are they doing with them? 
Monica, they have to know. Many do know. And I think one of the problems that you're right, it's not just, uh, you know, we can't just expect some president to walk in and right. magically fix all of this. There are responsibilities at every level of government in the country and in the private sector. But, uh, for example, states, one thing that states must do, I think, in the future is they must start pulling back all of these benefits and goodies that are available to people who are here illegally. And that's everything from welfare checks to uh, driver's licenses. And I think states need to start pushing back. You know, one example, the driver's license is a great example of how the Republican Party really sucks. Like if you talk to uh, some uh, you talk to someone about it and you say, hey, well, we should start pulling back driver's licenses from illegal aliens. They'll say, well, there was a Supreme Court decision 10 years ago. When the left loses a Supreme Court decision, they are in court the next day with their next round of litigation to fight the issue. And there are several reasons why that case is flawed. Uh, Our side shouldn't be afraid of it, but you get a lot of the slump shoulders and gosh, I guess there's nothing we can do because the court said X. We're we're a democratic republic uh, and the states are sovereigns. They don't work for Washington. They can keep pushing. And I, I view it this way. If you have 10 states that have the courage to fight for something like not letting illegal aliens have a driver's license, right? Uh, you you have a critical mass that will eventually get the result you need over time. Sure. But unless you start sending the signal, you will not get to stay comfortably here if you come here illegally. You're going to get the result you see now. In fact, I'd point out that it, as bad as it is, it will get worse if and when the Biden administration pulls down Title 42, Absolutely. which they are still trying to do. Right. Um, you know, while they're litigating in D.C. courts to make sure you and I have to wear masks on a plane, they are only too excited to pull down Title 42 at the border, which will let people come into the country. Um, they're ignoring a court order, and I think they're in contempt of uh, court for not enforcing the uh, migrant protection protocols, which a court ordered them last August to reinforce. They're still letting in an awful lot of people. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, they may have already crossed the magic million number, million person threshold sure. for people that they've legally let in despite being ordered to not let them in. Right. So Lawlessness. Total yeah. disregard for any form of law. Right. And so that that is the thing. I got to tell you, I'm I'm proud that I'm proud of our country that it has not taken to uh, to the streets against one another because they have certainly been pushed uh, at both ends of the spectrum. And I, and I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer whenever it comes to the midterms because I lived through 2020. I do believe the information that, and the evidence that was brought forth by Dinesh D'Souza and Greg Phillips. Um, I, I absolutely, and Ms. Engelbrecht, I absolutely believe that evidence. I live in the state of Georgia. I do believe there were things that happened here um, that I'm not sure will ever be adjudicated in court cases that were never even seen all over the country not just here. So when it comes to the midterms, I have a a, a kind of a, I don't know, I I, I call it just a realistic expectation of anything's possible. I'm hoping we even get to a midterm at this point. And with that, I wanted to talk to you about um, President Trump's endorsements and uh, and where we are and where we've been. uh, What are some of your thoughts on that? I believe, you know, according to, um, hold on, I'm trying to pull this up. I tell you who did a wonderful expose on this, which is they're such children at the LA Times, uh, but they actually did a really good job of tracking his endorsements so far and the win losses. And it appears that, you know, he's still in the black. Like he's, he's still, his, his victories are greater than his, uh, than his losses. Um, but the state of Georgia was a complete flop in terms of, uh, you know, our primaries with, with the exception of Herschel Walker. Um, and who was the other one? 
Herschel Walker, and there was one other. Oh, Burt Jones. Hello for Lieutenant Governor. Both of those gentlemen, I would pick. President Trump did as well, and uh, and I believe they will go, you know, to the finish line, and they'll be great. But the as far as gubernatorial picks, uh, other picks. Nope, no go, no go. So I'm hearing from my friends in inner circles that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of vitriol. People are very disgruntled who were a part of his team in 2016. Also, kind of got mowed over after 2016 by others who came in by way of establishment forces and kind of moved the grassroots people who were in the president's ear at that point in time, keeping his ear to the ground about what the people want. Uh, apparently, there are now people and advisors in his ears that um, pundits and the like and people in, in my political circles are not very happy with with some of his endorsements. So what are your thoughts? Monica, yeah, I, I share those concerns. In fact, I, just on Georgia real quick, I talked to a few friends in Georgia and they are floored that Raffensperger even broke 50 percent. And, you know, it's not the sort of thing that really fuels confidence in a system when a guy who is reviled throughout the state for screwing up 2020 <laughs> right. clears a runoff. Right. Uh, you know, and there are some other anomalies there, too. But but you you were uh, better to talk about that than I am. Regarding the president's endorsement machine, I just want to say one thing. I, I say this from a position of respect and, and affection for the president of the United sure. States. I, I had the honor of working for him from the minute his administration started until the minute it ended. That being said, whoever's running his endorsement machinery is failing him. Um, there are some really awful endorsements coming out of that camp. And unfortunately it seems like, and I am going on to the prem I'm working under the premise in this conversation that he's being lied to because he has, um, a couple people on his team. Uh, I won't name them here Yeah, <laughs> for legal reasons. Yeah. Um, please don't. <laughs> at least two people, possibly three, okay. uh, who are doing contract work for Kevin McCarthy, uh, who are making money off of campaigns, yeah. uh, and their endorsements reflect their ability to make revenue. So they are recommending to the president to endorse people who fill their pockets. Um, last, I, I was noticed this immediately last year, actually, Monica, and we were all, you know, we all walked out of the white house and we're sort of rubbing our heads saying what happened. Right. Uh, I, I was watching Trump's president Trump's endorsements and he, he endorsed every incumbent rhino Senator who was running for reelection and 2022. And I thought, is he starting a rhino preserve? Like, right. What is going on? <laughs> and right. then, then there every, now there have been some good ones. I will say this. I won't name them to get them in trouble either. Yeah. Um, but there have been some great people, part of the administration who worked really hard for him then. And they would do more now. Sure. Um, there were two endorsements though, that just boggled my mind. One was the endorsement of uh, Senator Shelby's chief of staff over Mo Brooks. Right. That's just baffling. Me too. Uh, it's, it, Right. There's a paycheck involved there. It's definitely not based on uh, based on the best interest of the country. Uh, the other one I was I had a little trouble with, but I've heard there are other reasons why behind the scenes was when he endorsed Oz yeah. out of thin air over right. other people who have been in that state for years. Right. Um, you know, I guess he knows him and, and Mrs. Trump, the first lady, knows him, and that right. makes a difference. Maybe I guess that maybe we can put a waiver on that one. But all of the Rhino endorsements, the Brit endorsement in Alabama. Uh, several house races that make no sense. I, I just don't understand what's going on. I have to, con- I, again, I think he's being lied to. Right. And I pray for a shakeup because every time someone like that gets nominated, some percentage of people who love the guy say, what? Right. And that, ha- that adds up and right. it's adding up for people I talk to. It's all anecdotal, of course, same with you, but sure. people are saying, what is going on? I want to go, I want to, I'm going to pull this up. Hold on one second. Um, 
because they actually did a really good job. So I'm going to share this screen while we're here. Let me make sure I'm a, let me make sure I'm sharing this because my, my stream yard is being slightly uh, glitchy today. So yes. Okay. I'm there and you're still here with me. Okay. All right. Do I still have you there, John? I'm here. Okay, excellent. Okay, so tracking Trump's endorsements in the 2022 midterm election. I love it. Actually, it was pretty it was pretty creative on their part. I love it. Their little mean emoji, their angry emoji. So, so we uh all right, here we go. It says da 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 uh, so the success of his chosen candidates can offer clues into how much of a political force Trump remains as he looks ahead to a likely White House run in 2024. Uh, here's an ongoing look at some key tests of Trump's endorsement power. It goes through some of that primary calendar. So here's a key. The airplane says Trump, this, that repre- here's our key for the emojis. The emoji key. The airplane represents Trump has appeared with a candidate. The angry face. Revenge endorsement. I love it. Running against a Trump foe. Then you have a camera emoji, which represents the celebrity candidate. Then you have a check mark that says that the candidate has advanced, and an X, a red X, says the candidate uh, loses. So going through this, we've got uh, the Senate race in Ohio. J.D. Vance won primary. Oz wins primary. Uh, looking to, where are we, North Carolina. Ted Budd won his. Again, Mo Brooks, endorsement withdrawn. I'm like, if anyone fought for you, Mr. President, I'm not understanding that at all. I would love to have him actually explain that at some point. I don't know that he has. Herschel Walker uh, won his primary, of course. And then we've got young lady over in Alaska. Uh, that was a... that. <laughs> That was the first angry emoji. So that must be a revenge endorsement. Okay. And then going through, we've got Ohio, uh, Max Miller, Greg Pence in Indiana. Um, Madison Cawthorn lost his, as we know, uh, whatever you think of that. Uh, you've got Mr. Zinke one in Montana. I'm going through, all right, the one loss, we've got South Carolina, Katie Arrington, which was really interesting because most people I've spoken with out of South Carolina cannot stand Nancy Mace. So, you know, that's interesting. But that, too, apparently was an angry, that was a that was a revenge endorsement, and the president met with her. Joe Kent is coming up. We've got uh, Washington, okay, Lauren Culp. Uh, oh, those apparently were... Uh, were revenge endorsements. Joe Kent and Lauren Culp, revenge endorsements. Of course, this is the LA Times for you guys listening in podcast land. Uh, we've got Ortegas removed from the ballot. Okay, Wyoming, Harriet uh, ended up being another revenge endorsement. So it goes on and on. And I love the fact that David Perdue lost primary. Now, okay, now this is where I'm going to jump in the deep water. Okay. This is my state, right? And so the president comes out, like, in my humble opinion, a little late to the game to endorse David Perdue, our former senator, who, by my account, should still be our sitting senator. Uh, But I endorsed Candace Taylor, whom no one had heard of. She would get zero airtime at all. The president was aware of her. She did make a trip to Mar-a-Lago. I do not understand why that was not... Uh, you know, a, a possibility for him, but she was nowhere near where she needed to be, according to uh, according to the polls and according to our final tally. Which, if you look at the final numbers that Brian Kemp received, most people in the state of Georgia find it laughable because it's impossible for him to have actually received the votes that he did, uh, given the the absolute 
uh, vitriolic relationship, just like much like Raffensperger that he has here. But this, and you know what? They're not wrong about this, John. They gave him a revenge emoji rating on why he backed David Perdue. And I would actually agree with that. And revenge is not always the best strategy, Mr. President. I'm sorry. Uh, I felt like we really did miss out on a very viable candidate, female, Christian, God-fearing, gun-toting, and grassroots really did love her. And I think had she had the support she needed, she could have actually gotten across the finish line. Uh, So that's just my... Carrie Lake... That that she is definitely a sweetheart of of uh, of the president's uh, endorsement machine, and I happen to like Carrie Lake. Uh, so it goes on and on. I love the ratings that it gives. It's good stuff. Uh, but I think here's my question for you: Do you think? Because I've had a lot of conversation around this with people in my spaces. Do you think that the America First movement needs to distance itself from the MAGA movement? Do you see them as mutually exclusive? That's a tough question, Monica. I I think they're, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. However, I do think that right now what's happening is there's more of a, and I say this respectfully and politely, sort of a personality-based movement with the MAGA movement, people who like Donald Trump, people who think he's great. I, I, you know, again, respectfully and affectionately, sure. I, I worked for him and I love working for him. Um, but then you start to see people who just they'll put the label America first on anything that exists and say, that's America first. Shipping jobs overseas, that's American first, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. And so I think we have to actually, you can, we can't just throw the phrase America first around. We have to right. start defining what that means. And I think that one, what I've always pegged to when I'm trying to define it to people is I always say citizen first. In other okay. words, it is a it is a you know constitution first, citizen first movement. You are a US citizen. What's the thing that prioritizes your well-being the most? What's the thing that protects the constitution the most? What's right. the thing that protects federalism the most? Um it's it's hard and it's amorphous, and everyone probably has a different twist on it, but um I think that's part of the problem. But again, when you have people who, who are, you know, you had a president who ran, broke the status quo. If ever there was going to be an unconventional administration, it would have been Donald Trump's administration. Right. And then you had people from the RNC and elsewhere flooding in telling him to be conventional. And his endorsements look conventional. Yep. And with a handful of exceptions, I mean, the Georgia stuff, you you nailed it pretty articulately. Uh, I heard a story. I'm just going to share it. It's an anecdotal story. I'm not going to name the person. Uh, but um, someone told me that their campaign was approached by a person who used to work for President Trump in the White House. And he said, hey, I will go to Mar-a-Lago and recommend he endorse you if you give me $20,000. I believe you. And so what I worry about is that. Yes. That is happening. Yes, it is that, happening. And that reflects poorly on President Trump, and he may not know about it. And right. He needs to know about it. You know, I, you asked what about uh, Ms. Taylor? Maybe her check didn't clear for their campaign. <laughs> and Purdue was able to write a check. You know, like, but it's funny because Georgia is sort of, to me, the epicenter of the, the problem yes. of election integrity, which is embarrassing because the Republicans in charge. Yes, um, in theory. But, yeah, we're ground zero. Yes. In theory. So the solution to Georgia is kind of tricky, though, right? But I think you've got to do two things. I think the next Republican administration needs to commit to a DOJ investigation of the election apparatus in the state, Absolutely. regardless if there's a Republican governor or not. And this is a problem, Monica, because what, what obviously it's a problem. But what I mean by that is there's this weird, awful, broken tendency of Republicans when they get the White House to say, uh, well, we can't we can't investigate a red state. We, yep. You know, right. actually, I would argue the opposite. I would argue that, like, first of all, we, we are the people who believe justice is blind. We actually do believe that the law should be enforced regardless of who's right. who's at who's doing something. 
And you're only going to get a result that you want in a state where red governors and attorneys general, at least nominally, are running the place. Right. So you need to take that seriously. The Department of Justice on January 21st, 2025, needs to initiate initiate criminal investigations of potential election fraud in every single state where we think it happened in 2020. Right. And the other thing, too, is there's just... You know, you've got to, Georgians, this is up to Georgians, but you guys have to start planning for 2026 now. Right. And it's, you have to, my understanding about Georgia, Monica, correct me if I'm wrong, is you've basically got two political dynasties there. Yes. You've got the the Deal dynasty and you've got the Purdue dynasty. (laughs) Correct. And someone's just got to break that mold. Like maybe Ms. Taylor just has to start running now for 2026 and their crew of support or someone else has to start running and say, all these people are going away. We're going to do something very different next time. We owe it to Georgia. Well, I got to tell you, I think, and I, and I do hope that Candace runs again. I I will tell you, and it's something that I told Herschel, he's not running against the Democrats. He's running against the establishment of Georgia, and he needs to be very clear about that. He is running against the establishment because because if anyone could pose a threat to those two to that dynasty feud that you just mentioned that most Georgians are most Georgia voters are very unaware of that. Uh, but if anyone could pose a threat to that it, and and ensure that we have the first black American in the governor's mansion here in the state of Georgia, I believe it would be Herschel Walker. And some people probably just spit their coffee out laughing at what I just said or needed to take a shot after that. But I'm telling you now, the people of Georgia love him. And if he has the opportunity to serve uh, you know, the United States Senate, and, and I believe that he will, uh, it will give him the experience, that much-needed experience that he would need in order to run the state of Georgia. But I think he really is a formidable, a formidable force. I just do. I, I think that that is a distinct possibility, and they know that. And so they have. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the ads, but they're pretty. They're pretty bad. I mean, as as far as you know, political torpedoing goes, uh, they've got full engagement on every submarine level you can think of uh, against Herschel. And you know, I think they're prepared for that. But it's uh, you know, as you know, it's it's hard. You know, uh, running for office is no joke. And it has become a bit of a parody. Um, it's become, you know, more theater, more theatrical than ever. Um, but yeah, Georgia, Georgia's a mess. And, you know, the fact that Chris Carr, the entire, uh, you know, crew, the whole gang of 2020 um, was was reelected. I mean, they won their primaries. That That's truly amazing to me, especially because my ears on the ground here in Georgia. But what that tells you, John, is that the establishment is at work and they are putting their money behind making sure that, and this is what the city of Atlanta does too. So this is priceless. They ensure that their, their side is always stacked with people who know where the bodies are buried the proverbial bodies, right? And so whatever that is, whatever the body happens to be shoved in a closet somewhere or, you know, just below in a shallow grave, um, they ensure that their folks are constantly in, in a position of power and leverage. But here's the bad news for some of these guys. Eventually, eventually, someone has to be the stooge. Someone has to be, someone's already been set up to be the patsy. Someone is the scapegoat. And I'm kind of looking forward to the future to see who is actually going to be the scapegoat for 2020 in the state of Georgia. So, uh, because that's coming. So enjoy your victories while you can, gentlemen. But at some point, 
uh, you know, God sees everything and everything comes to light. So what are you guys working on uh, over at America First? I got to tell you, I did I did a TT dance this morning. I saw Stevens tweets. Uh, apparently he was on Tucker last night. And I missed that. But breaking news, America First Legal has launched a groundbreaking new initiative. Oh, I'm I I'm going to have to get it out of my face. This is so exciting. The Center for Legal Equality to represent for free, sit for free, let me repeat that, for free, citizens victimized by racist and bigoted quote equity policies from corporations, schools, and government agencies. Sue, fight back in court. His next tweet is, if you have been denied a job, internship, or other opportunity as a result of bigoted, quote, equity and inclusion policies targeting your skin color, gender, or if you or your family have encountered other forms of woke tyranny, report the abuse at our hotline, which is aflegal.org backslash hotline. Again, for those of you in podcast world, aflegal.org backslash hotline. Talk to us about this because this is the most exciting news I've had all week. Thanks, Monica. So, yeah, the Center for Legal Equality, I can't undersell it. It is one of the biggest things that could be done in this moment, and we're proud to be the leaders on it. And basically, we are going to be the law firm that is open to hearing from every American who's experienced this, and we're going to try and take as many of these to court as we can. I don't have to tell you or your audience how insane things have become in the last year and a half. In fact, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Reverend King is rolling over in his grave because we have officially gone from a content of character approach to society to a, if your skin's darker than someone else's, you can get a job. I mean, that's actually right. what happens in other countries. That's yeah. just non-constitutional, non-law focused countries. Um, it's almost like your your race, gender identity, et cetera, now trumps abilities. And that's just completely, not only inappropriate, but unconstitutional and illegal. Right. Uh, and so, but I'm struck by, I, I'm sure everyone else is too, how bold uh, people are, government, private sector, et cetera. And um, that's just a problem. So the one thing though, that will affect these companies is a lawsuit. Absolutely. Uh, litigation, litigation has a funny way of making people uh, come to Jesus, so to speak. <laughs> and <laughs> so um, yes. uh, if we can, if we can bring it to them and show like the last thing these companies want they're hoping nobody notices their little internship application website. But when this becomes a national story, they change. I mean, look what happened. To, I believe it was State Farm uh, very recently got yes. zapped for, um, I guess they were pushing certain materials in schools. Yes. And they were. And then the minute that came to light, it was, uh, what's it, happening here? Right. How did that happen? <laughs> that, that won't, Who approved that, this? That, right. Jenkins, right. that's outrageous. So right. like, this is what we're hoping we can achieve with other companies too. The reality too is, uh, state and local governments are also engaging in this, and that is uh, uh, very, very inappropriate. Yes. So we're going to do our part in the private sector. At some point, though, I do hope uh, in, in a future Republican administration, money needs to stop flowing to these states from the federal government to support these behaviors and these actions. Absolutely. Uh, it's just it's. So in the meantime, yeah. we're going to hold down the fort with the Center for Legal Equality. Again, anyone who has anything to report on this front, please come check us out at aflegal.org. And uh, please report your situation. And with any luck, we can be talking in the future about your situation. Yeah, good stuff. I love it. I've hosted, again, uh, in my spaces uh, and moving forward. That's where my guests will actually appear. I uh, will be in my spaces uh, one day a week. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and there's a lot of interaction that goes on there. And I hear from people all over the country who they feel like they go to daycare every day. 
you know, their HR. I've been shouting from the matter of fact, I was banned from LinkedIn. How whack is that? Like who gets banned from LinkedIn? I do. So, <laughs> right. I'm just like, it's so retarded. So yeah, I'm like, okay, my second offense. I'm just like, bam, I'm out. So then I sneak back under the radar. I got whacked again. So I'm like, all right. But that's, that was because I was the voice for working people in like this whole, you know, we don't talk about political things over here, which is such crap because every one of the companies that I was, that I was outing over there are woke companies that have completely lost their minds with regard to the departments of diversity, exclusion, really, uh, equity and inclusion, you know, and it's like, you know, I don't know, John, maybe you have a different definition for me of equity, but as I understand equity, it's like uh, rising tides in the in the realm of equity do not raise all boats. Like one has, is you got to poke holes in the one in order to manufacture a rising tide so that your boat actually gets lifted and the other one sinks. That's how I see this whole equity movement. And so with corporations, you know, I feel bad for people who have to work under this in a nine to five job where they're, you know, you go, I think Coca-Cola was accused of, hey man, try not to be so white, right? Like roll back on the whiteness you got going on. And I'm thinking, what is going on and who is holding? Here's the real question. And maybe you have some insight to this. I hope if you could share it, but who's really holding our corporations hostage? Who's extorting these people? Because there's there's no reason for companies to get involved in our bedrooms, our skin color, uh, our preferences. There, you know, we should be focused on bottom lines. You know, not sexuality and skin tone and equity and reparations. You know, on the corporate level. So, who do you think that is? What is going on there? That's a good question. I mean, it's. I think it, I don't have a hard answer for you, Monica. I think it's analogous, though, to what's happened at school boards, yes. which is that over the course of, of years, decades, uh, the, the slowly boiling pot has installed more woke, crazy people on yes. these boards. Uh, and you wake up one day and your board of directors passes a resolution that does something insane. And you're like, how on earth did that happen? Well, it's because it's no one goes to shareholder meetings anymore. That's right. You know, people are asleep at the switch from a corporate ownership standpoint. It's the same with school boards. Like you wake up one day and they're making your kids uh, dance on their heads and get COVID shots at the age of two. And, right. And, uh, so um, the only solution really to that is a little bit of a reconquering of these spaces. Right. You've seen that in the school board space. I think, um, you know, my colleague Ian Pryor and a few and many others across the country sure. are pushing to make these changes. But you know what? It's got to happen at the corporate level, too. I will say this. One thing that concerns me is um, it's like you said, bottom line, right? Yeah. Most of these corporations and companies are not going to do something that destroys their bottom line. There probably are some that are stupid and haven't thought it out, but many haven't. What worries me is that they've identified some sort of business trend in the behind the scenes research they've done that thinks they can get away with this. Yep. Uh, in other words, Disney yeah. wouldn't have gone full crazy kneeling woke uh, a few weeks ago, months ago, right. if it hadn't done research about how it was going to affect their Disney Plus subscriptions, right? Right. So uh, I don't know. At some point, too, there's this question of uh, – it, it's funny. We sound like the liberals now saying, is profit all that matters? <laughs> right. Um, right. And unfortunately, there is a law that requires you to not discriminate against people in your That's workforce right. based on certain characteristics. That's just period. That's right. Whether it's profitable or not, whether you think it's good or not. Um, I do, however, I've said this before, like, I think the left is louder than it, than it actually is in terms of size. It's, it's noise is not representative of its proportion of the population. Right. Um, 
And I think the thing that makes us good citizens makes us terrible leaders because we're all, we keep to ourselves and we love our family and our friends and we, we want to be to ourselves. And the left just never stops marching. Their goal is to conquer us. So we have to sort of quote what makes us terrible leaders or citizens. Wait, say that again. What makes us great citizens makes us terrible leaders, but the left doesn't, they're, they don't ever stop. They don't ever stop. They are, they are like sharks. They never stop swimming. They're well organized. I mean, yeah. for for as small as they are, and they are a legal machine. I have friends right now dealing with things regarding the election of 2020 in the state of Georgia going up against Abrams' machine. Yeah, and, and yeah. Monica, something for your awareness. Like, so they also have a, you know, they have a Darth Vader-like money source named George Soros. Yeah, no and doubt. So if there are any conservative billionaires out there, start thinking of the movement because the reality is we are without the resources. And just one quick story to what you were just saying. So I have a couple of friends who were in the administration, some who weren't, some who were. Uh, they volunteered on November 4th when uh, the insanity about the election theft broke out right. to help. And they were all over the place. They were working with law firms. They were doing work on their own. They were working with some of the government officials who were trying to bring things to light. Several of them right now are having their bar licenses attacked. Oh, the, wow. the left has gone from, the, the, it's, you know, it's to the, it's back to the theme of they've got a lot of money and a lot of resources, sure. and a lot of time. You know, it's something that most of our people would never have considered just because we don't like what they're trying to do in a in an adversarial courtroom setting to then right. go attack a license. Right. They are doing this. They are doing these types of things. So we do need, and I'm not saying AFL, although sure. come check us out at AFL.org. Uh, you can see what we're doing, but other groups are doing the same thing. And the reality is there's just this critical mass of funding on the left That's right. that funds a critical mass of organizations that do all these things. We don't have a mirror image of that. And until we do, the weight of what the left is doing is always going to beat us, at least in the, in the, the private sure, sector. Sure. So we need to start thinking about that. I agree. Uh, what a conundrum though for corporate America, because they're going to get it from both sides. So they're getting it from you guys for people who are finally pushing back and they're going to get it from the extortioners who, uh, the extortionists who are holding them hostage. Uh, with, hey, you know, either institute the DEI, and you're right about that, especially on the school level, they have been so stealth for years. They've been stacking, especially in your private school sector, um, at, what is it, the NAIS, they have funded, largely funded, and moved people around the country who have these bombastic, outrageously woke totally criminal as far as I'm concerned and how they're indoctrinating kids, uh, brainwashing them in trans closets and, you know, your parents are the enemy, child protective services. Yeah. Ian Pryor has been on my show as well. And he's highlighted, you know, the fight that's, that's happening. I've had parents on my show. I've had uh, transgender people on the show, the homosexual community is completely up in arms about it because they're tired of being pegged as like a bunch of pedophiles because of the plus plus tree, you know, the T plus plus plus, whatever that is today. Uh, I mean, it's, it's madness. And, and then I, I look at our dollar, I look at our economy, I look at 10,000 cattle who allegedly had a heat stroke, whatever. Uh, and you got to look around the globe and think, what the hell are other national leaders thinking of us right now? You know, I'm a citizen. I think we've lost it. And I can't imagine how weak we appear to leaders across the globe. I really can't. So I 
so appreciate you and Stephen Miller and Ian Pryor and all the rest of you over there at America First Legal. Um, not to be confused with America First Policy Institute, which you did, you were working with when you first came to my show. But, you know, you may not be fundraising on behalf of you guys, but I do as, as just a, as a, as a mouthpiece out here because I tell people constantly, uh, invest your time, your treasure and your talent with people like America First Legals. So I I will say it if you can't or won't, but if you guys have the resources, what John said is 1,000% true. Enough of complaining about the boogeyman of George Soros. Where are our millionaires? Where are our billionaires? You know, why aren't you? Come on, Elon Musk, where are you? Why don't you drop some dimes over at AmericaFirstLegal.org? You know, while you're acquiring Twitter while we're at it. So, there's my two cents on that. I always love having you with me. I'm sorry that we cannot see your face today, but maybe another time. <laughs> and um, keep us abreast of what's happening over there at America First Legal. So we'll do. Thank you so much, Monica. You're welcome, John. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys. So there you go. Uh, that was John Zadrozny, Deputy Director of Investigations at America First Legal. Um, thank you for joining me today. As you can see, there there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes, um, but very there's a lot of work, and there's still more work to be done. Uh, but they're uh, kind of like what the scripture tells us, right? Like the 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 harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And so we have to coalesce and support those who are actually doing the work, right? Instead of hosting personality contests about, well, I don't like Stephen Miller. I don't like Tom Fitton. I don't like the way he wears his shirts and his big muscles. We are so ridiculous. The things that we get caught up in. In the meantime, the left is like, okay, that's fine. You sit over there and be offended about, you know, trivial things that do not matter. Get lost in the minutia of personality conflicts. And in the meantime, we're going to continue to mow over, um, your space in the in your workforce, your space in the in your ability to raise your own children without uh, encroachment upon your child protective you know upon your life with regard to child protective services, uh, your school boards, uh, DHS for God's sakes, the FBI. You know you're talking about major major government weight coming down on law abiding parents. That should be alarming to you. And so anytime you find an organization that is actually doing the heavy lift in order to restore integrity, to restore uh, lawfulness, to, to actually hold people's feet to the fire in accordance with the Constitution. I mean, you guys have heard me say it for months, actually for over a year. It feels like we're a post-constitutional landmass right now. It really does. But there are people working. There are people working. So I love the fact, I'm going to put this up here again for you guys to see it in case you missed it earlier in the broadcast, but this was a tweet um, that was tweeted out by uh, Stephen. Hold on one second. I got to find it in, all right, here we are. This is good stuff. I love it. The, the, I saw that this morning. I was like, well, A, I don't watch Fox for any reason, including Tucker. Sorry, uh, but I was glad to see that he was on last evening. So that's where you need to go, aflegal.org backslash hotline, right? Because do not email me with this stuff. Now you have a place to go, 
and and dump all of the see something, say some things that you've got going on with regard to if you have been denied a job, internship, or other opportunity as a result of bigoted, uh, quote, equity and inclusion policies targeting your skin color, gender, or if you or your family have encountered other forms of woke tyranny, report the abuse at our hotline. This is Stephen Miller's tweet, uh, aflegal.org backslash hotline. You know, what a mess that this is. We have these multiple principal's offices that we have to run to because we can't govern ourselves. And you know what? We abdicated a long time ago. John actually hit on that ever so ever so delicately as only he can. But it, um, we we did. We we abdicated a lot. We quit showing up at board meetings. We don't, and now we do, right? And and the thing is, is that you have to show up with with resolution in your heart with a conviction in your heart also with knowledge and wisdom and understanding don't just show up emotional it's important too to bring your emotions but that doesn't really move the ball down the field and start positioning yourselves to take your school boards back which is exactly what they know you're going to do which is why they've weaponized the department of justice against you but you know what else is new with this particular administration or regime, whatever you want to call it. So I'm so proud of that. I am so excited because I get your emails. I get your correspondence that is like, I this happened at my company. And, you know, what about white people and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, and we are, unfortunately, I believe we have one race. I, I stand by that, and I have always stood by that since I've been a Christian. There's one race, one, one blood, right? But that is, uh, that is our Achilles in this country. Sorry, but it is always has been. I hope that at some point we can get over that. I thought by having a black president that that would uh, help us heal. But the interesting thing about that <laughs> is if you ask the foundational black American nation, they're not just a movement. Trust me, they are a nation. They'll tell you they don't they don't claim Obama. Nope. Matter of fact, I've had them tell me in my own space, you can have him. We don't want him. I think that's kind of funny. Because white people, I think, by and large, thought, oh, goody, we've actually arrived. We have a black president. <laughs> that was before we got hit over the head with, you know, the beginning of the Department of uh, Diversity, Exclusion, and, uh, you know, in inequity. Inequity, sorry. That produces inequity. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you for joining me today. It's been a blast. Uh, you know, again, go check out AmericaFirstLegal.org, uh, AFLegal.org. Uh, donate your time, treasure talents. Uh, you know, get some of your school groups together. Here, here's what you guys could collectively, you know, send over the information that you need to send over and, uh, and support their efforts as well. Hey, but before I go, I do want to thank you all for, um, for heading over to monicamatthews.com backslash gold co. Uh, I see many of you making moves and I want to caution you about jumping in with just any old gold and silver company. Okay. Um, do your research, do your homework. You know, I believe in threes. So get a quote, get, get three different, you know, entities and then make your own sound decision about what is best to protect your hard-earned assets. I know many of you are actually moving out of uh, uh, banks, moving into credit unions as well. Uh, you know, this is the time. It's not going to be whenever you go to the ATM and you can't actually access your cash. 
So again, I don't breed hysteria on my show, but I do breed sanity and uh, realism. And the fact is the writing's on the wall. We see what's happening with our economy. So, you know, I do want to thank my audience members who have made the inquiry and made the decision based on the data you know, that made them comfortable in order to move over those hard earned assets that you don't want to continue to see crumble. And what's interesting is I see your tweets regularly where you're like, well, what do I do? Because if I bail now, you know, I've already, it's almost like you guys are in this abuse. You know how it is. Y'all know how it is. We've all been in those relationships, right? Where you're like, well, I'm two years in. And we've already invested so much time. And so if I break up now, you know, what is, and I'm not talking about you married people. I'm talking about people who date, like who make a lifestyle out of dating awful people. And you're just committed to the abuse. And that's pretty much where we are as a nation right now, right? So disengage from this abusive federal government, the abuse of your resources, the mishandling of your resources that are actually being used to traffic people around the country. Get smart about your asset allocation and head over to monicamatthews.com backslash gold co. Thank you for doing that. As well as please support uh, my fellow patriot who has now been canceled by Walmart. According, in my humble opinion, is the most un-American retailer in the country is Walmart. Isn't that amazing? We were all just sold a bunch of goods for how many years with all their little American flags and all the little old people who retired there and their little vests and their little flag pendants and their hot dogs and hamburgers, all the little cute white kids and their little pigtails, right? We're like, oh, go Walmart. Yeah, whatever. So Walmart, how many jobs has Walmart completely devoured? So, and now what have they done? They've canceled Mike Lindell. So do me a favor, go to MyPillow.com and use my code and receive it to 66% off of whatever it is you're going to purchase. M-O-N-I-C-A. Thank you very much for joining me today. I love you guys. Have a great day and we'll be back with you tomorrow. And uh, in the meantime, go to my website, sign up for my newsletters, MonicaMatthews.com. Um, what else is going on? So much. I am recording my first uh, episodic this week regarding men. Ha. Ah. <laughs> it's going to be really, really good. So I'll be on location uh, toward the end of the week, but uh, I'll catch up with you before then. Love you guys. Uh, be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.